Did you know that you can find just about all of our podcast episodes? We've done more than 60 now on our website. Just go to gangrythepodcast.com and you can listen to interviews with amazing writers and reporters like Pamela Koloff, Brooke Jarvis, David Gran, Tom Juneau, and so many more. Just go to gangrythepodcast.com. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y, thepodcast.com. Welcome to Gangry the Podcast. I'm Matt Tullis. So, you're probably wondering why episodes 2 and 3 are just now showing up in your RSS feed. Well, more than two years ago, I moved all of the episodes to SoundCloud. In the process, two of the files were corrupted. Those files contained these two episodes. Episode 2 featured Michael Mooney. We talked about his story, The Most Amazing Bowling Story Ever, which ran in D Magazine, and was ultimately anthologized in Best American Sports Writing. Episode 3 featured Pamela Koloff, and we talked about her Innocent Man two-part series, which ran in Texas Monthly. She ultimately won a National Magazine Award for this story. Both of these episodes were recorded in January of 2013. For so long, I've been bothered by the fact that we were missing these two episodes. Mooney and Koloff offer so many insights into reporting and writing narrative journalism, insights that I thought had been lost forever. Just recently, though, I was looking through an old binder from my days at Ashland University and came across a CD labeled Gangry the Podcast. That CD ultimately had the first seven episodes of the show burned on it, starting with our first, featuring Justin Heckert, through number seven, which was Brian Mockenhaupt. Well, now these episodes are back. I apologize for the sound quality on these early Gangry recordings. I was still trying to figure out what it meant to be a podcaster, and I really had no clue how to record and edit audio. But Mooney and Koloff have some amazing things to say on the craft that went into their remarkable stories. This also means now that every episode of Gangry the Podcast is available for free on our website, Go to www.gangrythepodcast.com and you can listen to anyone from Janet Reitman to Ben Montgomery, from Tom Juneau to Eva Holland. You will learn so, so much. This is Matt Tullis. This week on Gangry the Podcast, we talk with Michael J. Mooney, who writes for D Magazine in Dallas. Mooney wrote the story, The Most Amazing Bowling Story Ever. The story is about Bill Fong, a down-on-his-luck recreational bowler, and his improbable run at perfection. The story has been named one of the best pieces of nonfiction in 2012 by numerous blogs and publications, including longreads.com and longform.com. The story also has a bit of a twist ending, so if you haven't read it yet, please stop the podcast and go to gangrythepodcast.com where there's a link to the story. Read it, and then by all means, continue listening. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm honored. Can we start things off by having you read the first four paragraphs of your story? When Bill Fong approaches the lane, 15-pound bowling ball in hand, he tries not to breathe. He tries not to think about not breathing. He wants his body to perform a series of complex movements that his muscles themselves have memorized. In short, he wants to become a robot. Fong, 48 years old, 6 feet tall, with broad shoulders, pulls the ball into his chest 
and does a quick shimmy with his hips. He swings the ball first backward, then forward, his arm a pendulum of kinetic energy as he takes five measured steps towards the foul line. He releases the ball, and it glides across the oiled wooden planks like it's floating, hydroplaning, spinning counterclockwise along a trajectory that seems to be taking it straight for the right-hand gutter. But as the ball nears the edge of the lane, it veers back towards the center as if guided by remote control. The hook carries the ball back just in time, in a heartbeat, over the wide, sneering mouth of pin. Now, nothing. He comes back to the table where his teammates are seated. They always sit and bowl in the same order, and they congratulate him the way they have thousands of times over the last decade. Fall looks displeased. His strike wasn't good enough. I got pretty lucky that time, he says in his distinctly Chicago accent. The seven was hanging there before it fell. I've got to make adjustments. With a pencil, he jots down notes on a folded piece of paper. His teammates aren't interested in talking about what he can do to make his, straight, his strikes more solid, though, or even tonight's mildly competitive league game. They're still discussing a night two years ago. They mention it every week without fail. In fact, all you have to do is say the words, that night, and everyone at the Plano Super Bowl knows what you're talking about. They also refer to it as the incident or that incredible series. It's the only time anyone can remember a local recreational bowler making the sports section of the Dallas Morning News. One man, an opponent of Fong's that evening, called it the most amazing thing I've ever seen in a bowling alley. Though Fong needs no reminders, of course. He thinks about that moment, those hours, every single day of his life. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we're talking with Michael Mooney, who wrote the story, the best amazing bowling story ever for D Magazine. I really, I really love this story. It's one of my favorite stories from last year. Uh, can you talk about how you found this story? Yeah, that's actually. I was uh, in the office, and um, it was around the time of. This, this is going to sound really convoluted at first. It was around the time of the Jeopardy tryouts in Dallas, uh, and uh, a coworker and I were joking about possibly trying out and about how much we loved game shows as a kid. Uh, and uh, somehow we got onto the story of this incredible, uh, weird uh, caper that was pulled off on a game show a long time ago. And I went to my editor and was saying, you know, this is a kind of weird story I want to tell that's kind of unfolding and then you'd be able to put the backstory in there. And, uh, and he was saying, you know, well, did you hear about the guy who bowled a 299 and then he missed it, missed the 300 on the last pin. It was in the Dallas Morning News a couple of years ago. And, uh, and I, I tried to find it, couldn't, it was a weird, uh, I didn't really think about it much. A couple of days later, I tried to find it, uh, because I was thinking, why would the Dallas Morning News write about somebody who missed a 300? That's gotta be, that's gotta happen all the time. Uh, and found out what the real story was. Uh, found this, this uh, Dallas Morning News sports section story from, at the time it was probably about a year and a half old uh, about this guy who missed a perfect series by one pin. Um, and it, it wasn't told in a particularly narrative way. Uh, it was a nice story. And it mentioned, you know, how his, the best day of his life had essentially turned into the worst day of his life. And so I found him, uh, found Bill Fong, called him up and uh, asked, you know, hey, I'd like to do a kind of a really long story about this night you had. And he thought I was joking. He thought that I was playing some sort of trick on him or mocking him or something like that. Uh, because to him, this is the worst day of his life at the time. Um, and so it, it took a little bit of talking to him and explaining that I thought it was actually this incredible night, uh, this incredible feat, and the fact that he missed it in some ways actually made it 
more poetic or more incredible. Um, and of course, then as I got to talk, talking to him, I kind of uh, learned what would have been, what would, what has been referred to as this twist ending. Uh, the more I talked to him, that's, he, he told me, you know, actually I had a stroke. And I, you know, called my editor immediately and said, you know, I really, really want to do this story. And to his credit, uh, he, I, I pitched him a two-year-old bowling story uh, with nobody famous uh, some night, some Monday in the suburbs, and he never hesitated. So, Yeah, I, 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 was, I was wondering, actually, one question I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, what, uh, when did you learn that uh, Bill had suffered a stroke, and what went through your mind when you heard that? How far were you into the reporting when that came up? Uh, it was the first conversation that we were talking, you know, I guess it's probably the first conversation after he realized that I was not joking. Um, and, and you know, we were talking about what incredible, uh, you know, I, I, well, I was telling him how incredible I thought it was, and he was telling me how terrible he thought that night was. And he told me, you know, and, and I got all sick, and it turned out later I, I had a stroke. I was having a stroke that night. And I, I, I then thought he was playing a trick on me. Um, I thought he was joking. Uh, you know, that, that's an incredible twist. And at that point, I was immediately thinking, okay, well, where in the story am I going to put this? Um, and so it, it was, yeah, it was pretty early on, I found out. And uh, that, that was kind of the thing that made me 100% sure this was a story I wanted to write. Yeah, when did you decide, uh, like how far into the reporting, maybe how far into the writing, did you decide to go with the structure that you have in this story? And, and when did you decide that, okay, I'm going to leave this stroke uh, until the very end of the story? I'm going to leave a, a surprise for the reader uh, when they get to the end of the story. Yeah, it, that was essentially when I sat down to write it. I, I talked with my editor, Tim Rogers, uh, uh, and... You know, we kind of decided if we mention this early, this is a, is not a bowling story. You know, he, he's a bowling fan, and I like bowling. Neither one of us are, you know, super enthusiasts, but we both enjoy bowling a lot. Um, he joked that if I got to write a bowling story for D Magazine, it was probably going to be the only bowling story that was going to be done in D Magazine, so I might as well pick the one I really wanted to do. Um, and I decided I didn't want it to be a story about a stroke. You know, uh, about this uh, a medical problem, I wanted it to be about perfection in this pursuit of perfection. And in some ways, that, that was kind of the, the denouement, you know, the extra incredible twist when he was telling me uh, that made me you know, want to not put off the writing at all. Yeah, there's I, I, one thing I noticed as I was reading through this again. Um, there's a lot of foreshadowing uh, in the story that kind of maybe leads the writer down the path that maybe, or the reader down the path that maybe something's going to happen health-wise. I, I think you mentioned, uh, I want to try and find a, a part in the, like, a, the, just some little lines that kind of, then uh, uh, talking about that, you know, he began to feel magical. Um, some other lines, he wasn't drinking, but he felt a little drunk. Was that something that you did uh, consciously uh, to kind of try to lead the, the reader to this uh, to the stroke? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I knew when I was writing them that 
it was kind of foreshadowing stroke, but uh, but it was also what was happening. So, you know, I wanted to write that. Um, you know, when when I was the way I reported it, I talked with him extensively beforehand. I basically found any kind of footage I can from that night. Uh, went up there and spent a Monday with him and his teammates. Um, and then talked to them a little bit more, and then talked to him over and over again about that night, because he has not just notes from that night and his printouts from that night, but he has gone over every step of that night in his mind over and over and over again. And so he can talk about it in more detail than anybody could possibly want. Um, so as he was telling me, you know, what was going on, and I was asking him, okay, how are you feeling at this point? How are you feeling at that point? That's just how he was feeling, too. Yeah, that's... Uh, can you talk a little bit more like, about the reporting? Did you watch... I'm assuming you watched him bowl as well, and 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 you, you talked with the teammates, but uh, I guess talk a little bit more about the reporting process. Yeah, so I made first contact with him, uh, you know, kind of convinced him that, to, to kind of cooperate with me on the story. Um, then I talked with him a lot about that night beforehand, uh, just on the phone. Um, then I met with him, talked with him, kind of some more, mostly about that night, and then kind of his background, you know, what led him to bowling, um, which in the context of, you know, I knew about that night first, in the context of that, his background was all very interesting to me. Um, and so I went up and spent a Monday night with them, uh, with his team, same, he's still in the same league, still the same teammates, um, and he was, you know, still the same Bill Fong uh, that he, he had been before and after, uh, according to his teammates, and talked with them, uh, kind of went through that night with them as they were bowling, almost kind of reenacting it, um, and everybody there wants to talk about that. You know, you ask a question, and everybody remembers it, everybody has an opinion, um, there are so many superlatives. Uh, you know, all of his teammates were ready to talk about it. Uh, all of his opponents were ready to talk about it. All the people who worked at the bowling alley that night, uh, people who were just there uh, and happened to be there when I was there, too, because that's the kind of thing that happens at a bowling alley. Um, and so, you know, everybody was really willing to talk about it. At some point, it was just cutting it all down. Were you surprised that nobody had written about it yet? No, more longly, I mean, more I, long form, I, I guess. In some ways, I was more surprised that it never made the newspaper in the first place. I was really pleased because I never would have found it. Um, you know, that you know, a testament to how important daily newspapers are. Uh, but no, I mean, when I was pitching it, I was worried that it was going to get, you know, that I was going to get a no. So I wasn't particularly surprised that nobody had written about it because, you know, in the context of pitching it, it was. It was about one night of bowling two years ago in the suburbs uh, with nobody that anybody had ever heard of. Um, you know, I, I, I was pretty nervous when it came out, too, because anybody who read it, I, it, was, it was so random, it seems to me. I was so nervous. People were going to wonder, you know, what the hell is this? Your editor suggested it, right? Or no? I mean, it, was, it wasn't necessarily for a story. It was just kind of in conversation. He was, asking, he was saying, had I heard about it? And, you know, had you heard about this guy who missed this 300? And, I, you know, oh, that sucks. The last pin, that's, that's this tragic poetry of, 
of whatever. Uh, it was a couple days later when I looked it up and told him, you know, oh, no, it was actually it's 899. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. That was more incredible. And so that's when he was thinking about it as a story, even. Um, but, you know, I don't think he was, I think he was just open-minded at that point. Uh, to his credit. That's, that's the best kind of editor to have, I would imagine. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, when I was pitching it, you know, I was imagining uh, uh, some of the editors I know in the past who would have just not, definitely, definitely not said yes. Uh, and, and, just ima- and just, you know, imagining, in some ways, feeling like a little kid getting away with something. Like, I think I may, I think I may have an editor who would let me do this. Have you been surprised by the, the feedback on the story? I've been very, very surprised. It's, uh, it, uh, I, it, I was so nervous I, before it came out. It seems so random uh, to me in a lot of ways. You know, I've, I've written quite a few stories. Uh, I've been writing kind of magazine-like stories for like five or six years now um, in various places about a lot of things, ranging from you know JFK to Ron Washington to poker to all sorts of. Uh, you know, politics, crime, and no reaction. I haven't gotten a reaction to anything. Like, I've gotten a reaction to the bowling story. Um, so, yeah, it, it was... It, it's it's strange. I, I like it. I'm not complaining at all. It's, it's great. It's just very strange. You said you've been writing for five or six years. How, how, how'd, you get, how'd you get into to this game? Uh, so I went to the University of Texas for my undergrad, um, I was an English anthropology major. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do when I was done. I knew it was something involving writing. Uh, when I finished there, I, you know, I kind of started reading more magazines, uh, or at least realizing how much I had been enjoying reading, you know, kind of feature stories in magazines for so long, and started thinking maybe I could do this. Uh, so I went to grad school at the University of North Texas at the Mayborn. Um, and uh, got an internship at the Dallas Morning News, uh, and uh, got my first full-time job at New Times in South Florida. Uh, it's a Village Voice Weekly, and uh, you know I just knew I kind of wanted to write five thousand, six thousand word stories, in-depth stories. They seemed really fun. It seemed an opportunity to have kind of like little adventures. Um, and so uh, I worked in All Weekly for a while or that, and kind of started freelancing there. And then uh, I grew up in Dallas. So uh, when they so I, you know, had a chance to move back here um, and, uh, and I've always been a fan of the magazine. And so it, it was pretty natural for me to come here. Where do you find most of your story ideas? you find them in the daily newspaper? A lot of them in the daily newspaper. Um, especially the L Weekly, you know, so many of them came from there. But now, even now, yeah, little blurbs, uh, little short stories, things you hear. Um, but I would say a, at least half of them have been newspaper stories at some point, whether it's a story about somebody who's famous, who's been written about a lot in all sorts of places, or a small crime story that started as a newspaper story. You know, these are things that I never would have heard of if not for the newspaper. Um and uh, occasionally it's just, you know, kind of concepts that we come up at the office. 
and sometimes it's just kind of weird things that I'm interested in or people that I find really fascinating that I'd really like to talk to. And so I'd find a way to do a story about them. I want to go back to Bill Fong. I know you mentioned he initially thought you were you were joking that you were kind of playing a joke on him. Has he come around? What was his uh, what was his thoughts on the story after it, after it appeared? Well, he, he's he's evolved a little bit. Um, up you know up through the reporting, he still was insisting that this was like a this is a tragic story. Um, even though all of his teammates are are on my side and everybody he knows thinks it's incredible. Um, when the story first came out, Bill, being a perfectionist, was really kind of, didn't know what to think. He was nervous people were going to know his background, you know, that he was, he was worried people were going to know that he had smoked pot when he was younger. Um, you know, he, he was a perfectionist. Uh, it was when people started calling the bowling alley, when people started going to the business, um, when other people on the Internet started talking about it that, and, and kind of finding him and... and you know, people uh, in his league wanted his autograph all of a sudden. Then he, he kind of, I think he began to get it. Uh, somebody made a T-shirt based on him. It was like a robot uh, after the story came out. It was like a robot with a bowling ball um, with one of his quotes. Uh, a guy is making a short documentary about him. Um, you know, he's been contacted by a lot of other reporters who kind of, you know, wanted to just, talked to him, wanted to see what he thought about all of this. So so now he's he loves it. Now you know he's I think he's he's I think he's thinks it's a little strange still. It's just gotta feel weird. But in some ways I think he feels like he's finally getting some of the credit he's always deserved. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's always nice when when the subjects of stories, when they appreciate it and when they see what it's like to have their story told. That's always exciting. And I, and I was nervous about that, too, because I know this is his story. Um, and in some ways, this is, you know, unless something, um, you know, happens from here in his life that's, that's pretty incredible, this is a pretty big legacy for him, especially how much he cares about bowling in the bowling community. This is, this is going to be his legacy. And so I, you know, I was nervous about that too. I wanted, uh, I wanted to tell the truth and to make sure, uh, you know, he was that it was that it was his the story he was comfortable with. You know, what's the next thing that we can look forward to seeing from you? Oh, I've got a couple things in the works uh, for D Magazine. Uh, I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about them exactly at this point. And a couple things in the works for GQ. Uh, I write there occasionally as well. Um, also, which I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we've been talking with Michael J. Mooney, a writer with D Magazine in Dallas. He wrote the most amazing bowling story ever. We've linked to the story on our website, gangrythepodcast.com. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Gangry the Podcast is brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences at Fairfield University, which grounds students in the 500-year-old Jesuit tradition of academic rigor and personal reflection, while providing them with the critical skills needed to succeed in work and life. Students work with passionate faculty and have the chance to study abroad, participate in civic engagement, and conduct hands-on research across a variety of disciplines. And by the Department of English at Fairfield University, which is home to the digital journalism major, as well as an English major with concentrations in literature, creative writing, English studies, 
professional writing, and teacher education. For more information on the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of English, go to fairfield.edu. Stay up to date with the podcast by following us on Twitter. That's at Gangry Podcast. Gangry is spelled G-A-N-G-R-E-Y. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. You can subscribe to Gangry the Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any Google Play app. Just search Gangry, that's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y, podcast. This episode of Gangry the Podcast was recorded in the studios of WRDL and in Donnarumma Studios at Fairfield University. It's made possible by the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of English at Fairfield U. Music in this episode was produced by Noah Heyman. This episode was hosted by yours truly. It was produced by Steve Cease, Glenn Battishill, and myself. I'm Matt Tullis. Thanks for listening.